Hey friends, this is Tori Hine. I can't wait for you to hear my friend Sunny Kane's story today. This is a two episode series, so today is just part one. And Sunny is going to share with us her journey to freedom from sexual and spiritual abuse. I just want you to be mindful of this topic and no matter what your background and your story entails, I believe that Sunny's story holds wisdom from heaven for you as you journey forward toward full freedom in Christ. You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori Mayhine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. I'm sitting here with one of my dearest friends, Sunny Kane. Sunny and I go way back. I think you met me when I was 12, maybe. Yeah. We yeah. go back to farts and lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. <laughs> I signed up to be a junior high, um, like small group leader. Oh, and yes. I didn't know that girls would talk about farts and lipstick. Like that's what, what they talk what about. What else is there to talk about? I know. But farts and lipstick. <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> I still talk about farts and lipstick all the time. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. We'll have a podcast. That'll be the title. Farts, farts and lipstick. And lipstick. <laughs> I found a piece of myself when I met Sunny in middle school that unlocked this freedom for me to say, oh, I can be opinionated and like strong-willed and honor God with with that strength and gusto. (laughs) And Sunny almost gave me the permission to fully walk in that. And then you've just been an incredible voice for me moving forward through my life into adulthood to champion gifting. And it's been um, just a beautiful relationship. I love you. I love you too. And it's funny because when I think of that, it's like, um, honestly, when you were in junior high, it's crazy to me because I feel much the same that God really used you to, um, it's going to sound funny, but to help make his word safe again, you didn't know that I had a heart and a passion for Jesus, which is why I was serving him in youth ministry. But, um, his word and, and in my story, you can see his word was hard for me, but you had a fierce heart for his word, even as a junior high student. And so you were the very thing that God needed to send into my life to help me to get back into his word. Wow. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yes. So (laughs) I, I, I will say there really isn't anything that awakens me to like, the fullness of who I am than sitting with someone to help unlock that like interest and passion in God's word. So that totally blesses me. And it's reaffirming because if I was doing it in middle school, you know, if you're ever confused about the things that you actually are interested and passionate about, just think back to who you were when you were 11. So true. (laughs) (laughs) What were you doing? How were you spending your time (laughs) before you started absorbing all the other like priorities other people said are more important to you than your 11 year old priorities? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Then entering into adulthood, Sunny and I got to partner with some really incredible passion projects of her own. Um, She's a pastor, health coach, mom, entrepreneur, but she's also the CEO and founder of Impact Women. And uh, it was it's just been such a beautiful thing to see Impact Women unfold in the Northern Nevada area because we're seeing women awakened to their purpose and empowered to fully walk in it. And truth be told, 
I felt like there was an awakening in me and a clarification in my own giftings. And the podcast is largely due as an outflow of the things that I learned through the process of Impact Women. I'm just really excited to have this conversation with you. <laughs> I'm excited too. And I'm excited. I never knew that the podcast was from what you learned there too, like that. Thank you. That's an honor to know that. Now, in the years doing Impact Women with Sunny, you hold such incredible authority and insight into what God is doing in the lives of others, and you draw out the story of the women around you. But one thing that I noticed, and the reason why I invited Sunny onto this podcast, was that in every uh, meeting for our Impact Women conference, I saw a new, another layer of Sunny's story unfold, and then I watched you navigate through 2020. And up until 2020, I had never fully heard your story of freedom until this year. And I, I asked her if she would come on and share with us the freedom that she's walked in in 2020 and what it's meant for her. So I'm just going to pass it over to you, Sunny. Maybe start at the beginning because there's so many things that we could talk about, but your story folds all of the different topics in. Uh, it's interesting um, because when when you came to me and um, mentioned that you hadn't really fully heard my story, um, that's not news to me. And uh, because I know that it's a place of my life that I have, it's not that I've kept it hidden. Um, it's not out of shame that I've kind of like tucked it in and I don't want anyone to know this. Um, but I think I, I was mm. only able to share my story in fragments. Um, and so you'd hear these little tiny pieces of me. And that's because the fragments of my story were all that I really had. Every time I would have freedom uh, in my story, I would begin to speak that part out. And so I'm, I've always looked at, um, God spoke to me when I was a really young mm. child saying, through your story, I will set you free. And then through your yeah. story, I will set nations free. And, um, in that I, I just happened to take 39 years to find wow. the freedom that God intended for me in my own story. Um, and so in that, you know, and I, I think just one thing I want to say is that so often, especially in a culture of, um, that is pressing forward in vulnerability and authenticity, mm -hmm. we have a generation that insists on the truth and that is a beautiful thing. But in the middle of that, sometimes what we forget is that when we're looking at a story, it's really important to say. Yeah, Who or good. what is being glorified when I share my story? And um, until this year, Tori, um, who or what would be glorified would not be the God that I love. It would have been victimhood. It would have been um, the glorification of pain. It would have been me coming with a wound. And the last thing I wanted to do was come as a, a bleeding heart, a wounded healer. I wanted to come from a whole place. So today I'm, I'm really um, humbled that this will wow. be the first time I'm sharing from a place of wholeness. And that's a brand new thing for me. And yeah. it, um, it was a fight to get here. Um, so uh, in that, I can just kind of uh, rewind to just... Um, you know, my story is one of abandonment. It's one of neglect and abuse. Um, that abuse included mm. both spiritual and sexual abuse. And really, uh, spiritual and sexual abuse, what I've really learned 
is um, they are the very places where the enemy came in and he attempted to hijack yeah. my God-given, my born identity. You know, I'm not trying to be Matt Damon here, born <laughs> identity here, but <laughs> it's the whole like where the enemy sought out to fragment yeah. the sunny that God created, yeah. right? And through that spiritual and sexual abuse, boy, that made me question who I was on every single level all of my life. Um, but in that, my story is also one where the very things that abandonment, that rejection, that, that neglect, that abuse, it's actually the very ground that gave me opportunity to engage with God. Wow. And while I would never go, oh yeah, I totally am so thankful that I walked through all of that stuff. I would be lying to you, right? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nobody would wish that. Right. But what I have seen is God reassigned purpose to the places in my life. And I see a good God who walked with me from the time I was a little girl. And so uh, when I was a little girl, it's really funny. You talk about your 11 year old self. You rewind a little further mm -hmm. with me. And um, I was a, I, I had a single mom and she was busting her butt to take care of a very strong-willed little girl. That was me, right? Mm -hmm. And she had kind of no one around. And my mom will tell stories of being a young girl and me standing on a slide at school, eight years old. And I would come home from school and say, I was standing on the slide today and the power of God hit me. And I asked the friend if they wanted to know Jesus. Did they know him? And then I looked come at my on. mom and I would say, well, now they do because the power of God hit me. <laughs> And my Pastor mom, Sonny, yes, eight-year-old Sonny, my mom would be like, okay, kind of weird. Um, because my mom at that point, my mother was not some like, uh, you know, like loving Jesus and, and praying. And, and that, that was not my mom. She did not have a yeah. relationship with Jesus. And so here I was this eight-year-old child with a fierce passion for the Lord. And my mom was like, who the heck is talking to my child? Is she like watching wow. TV evangelists? Is she, and I'm talking like, I would run outside from, we lived in this little trailer in Helena, Montana. And, um, I would run outside when people's cars broke down, I would lay hands on them and I would just pray that the power of God, that was my statement. The power of God would hit the that power car. of God. You know, I don't you know. already knew what your calling was eight years old. I know. There exactly. you go. Anointed. And it was just in me. Um, but, you know, fast forward to just a short time later, I'm about 10 years old and I start having these, um, you know, they called them night terrors at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, really what was happening is I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would have visions. Now those visions, now I can look back and see that they were actually God um, I believe speaking to me about what was to come and I would see darkness wow. in my home. And what, what does darkness look like to a nine and 10 year old? Well, darkness looked like, um, scary spiders and barking dogs and scary stuff that I would see in the middle of the night. My mom would mm. come to me in that panic and, um, my mom would be covered in darkness and suddenly this safe place of moving towards my mom for comfort actually became something's off here. Uh, fast forward wow. a little further, and I kept having those for, for a whole season. Um, I remember it was about a year of those. And um, in that, I also started having these, um, these angels. And what did angels look like? People are always like, what are these angels? And, and you got to know, like, I was afraid to tell people that they're like, I think I'm crazy. There are like angels <laughs> in my hallway. But what I knew was when I saw these angels, they would march up and down my hall. They looked like soldiers and they were bright is that whatever I saw wow. with darkness would disappear when those soldiers were near. And one day 
one of those soldiers leaned in and this is me wide awake in the middle of the night you know doctors want to call it night terrors i call it you know jesus in the middle of this jesus these angels like one of them leans into me and says sunny you have been called to be on the front lines of god's army and the season that you're about to enter he will protect you he will guide you and one day you will speak to nations that's the same place that he said through your story he will set you free then Mm. through your story he will set nations free so wow just after that so i began praying for the angels right see the darkness praying for the angels right after that um my mother um a, a a gentleman like totally um gifted charismatic kind of guy that seemed like he would take the shirt off his back like i'm talking schmoozy awesome like i love jesus kind of man Mm -hmm. um you know the kind that you are literally drawn to um he met my mother single mom and um i believe he prayed on a piece of her that i think we all have it's that you know you want to say it for christian cliche but that god-shaped hole that we all have in our heart And he used that to pray on her and, um, and fast forward, he, she believes that she's entering into a place where, you know, like God loves her. That is truth, right? God is going to use her. That is truth, but Mm -hmm. not this way. And that proceeded to enter into, this was not a ministry. This was not a man who loved Jesus. This was a man who over time and through much, much, um, um, he did, he actually used World War II brainwashing techniques. And um, over time, um, that became where he actually told his followers, it was a cult. He told his followers that he was Jesus. Wow. And that's crazy. You think the young child, Sonny, who is receiving warnings in my spirit, before all mm-hmm. of this happens, that something is off. Yeah. I see that now and I still see that same good God giving me warnings when something is off. Yeah. Only the problem is through most of my story until I'm whole healed, Sunny. Um, I never trusted when I could feel God speaking to me because uh, I thought it was crazy. I was seeing vision. It's just night terrors. You know, nobody wants to hear from cold girl, all of the, all of the stuff. But now I see wow. the faithfulness and the hand of God that walked me through this, this story that, um, and of course, you know, I I'm giving you such, there's so much that happened in that cult, uh, so much that, um, uh, so many moments in there where I became fragmented and I left pieces of me behind for years. Mm. Um, and yet 2020, the gift of 2020 helps me go back and pick up those fragments to where you see me today. It's interesting when you're speaking about the spiritual reality and the faithfulness of God in speaking to you a warning. And a warning itself is grace, is love. I'm warning you, this is coming. I will be with you. My presence goes with you. So in, in this Western Christianity world first, world, first world, we detach so much spiritual from reality. When you travel to like a third world country and they're like, oh yeah, that's a spirit. Oh yeah, that's a demon. Oh yeah, I have, 
I hear from God in this way. I've encountered the spiritual here. But there is this silencing of a greater reality. The Bible says that we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but it's against the enemy that is at work in the spirit. And it's a beautiful thing when you see someone fully walking in that, that is aligned with the truth of God's word. And then the freedom to walk fully in it allows an intimacy. And you, you mentioned that you found God in the midst of this season and that your, your story involved physical, emotional, spiritual abuse. Did that happen fully in the cult with this Jesus figure? What did that, what did that look like? Sometimes we don't talk enough about this and I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. um, Tori, I feel like I've looked the enemy directly in the face. When I was a child, I would, um, in this time in the cult, I had this prayer that I would always pray every night. Hey, Jesus, when you come back, will you come to my room and knock on my door? And will you just tell Mm -hmm. me you're here? Like the innocence of a child's prayer. Wow. Well, I will never forget the moment that this gentleman told me that he was Jesus, right? My mom has already been sucked into this vortex and all the adults around me had been sucked into this vortex. And I'm sitting across from this gentleman and I'm telling you the second I walked into the room, all of the hairs on on me just stood up and I was Mm -hmm. like at attention. And Mm -hmm. that same feeling of darkness that I felt way back at the beginning of those night terrors, I felt all of a sudden, and I will never forget this moment. I sat down, they had me sit in a chair and I'm looking at this gentleman in the face and he looks at me and he says, Hey, Sonny. And right when he said my, my said, Hey, Sonny, I don't know how to explain it to you, but internally I was like, that is not my name. And it is my name, but it was the the tone he spoke to. Like, you don't have permission to speak to me. I was already bold, like just ready to fight. And he said, Sonny, Remember that little prayer you've been praying? I just want to say to you, knock, knock, I am here. Wow. And that moment, um, that moment for me was, uh, I knew he was not Jesus. And God protected me all the way through that. I always knew that he was not Jesus. I had gone through youth groups many different times. People had given me a Bible, my Bible. No matter when I went to open it, I could try to head to the beginning or to the end. It would always open to Matthew 24, which if you read it, is about the rise of the false prophet. So God was sending me warnings and showing me truth. But what was confusing is in that, in that, you know, moment where he's telling me he's Jesus, I'm like, no, you're not looking over his shoulder to see my mom nodding, you know, isn't this great? And I'm confused, right? Like, wait a second. Like, how are any of us believing that this is real? Um, and so that, that timing was probably Tori right around the time I was about 12. And, um, Mm -hmm. and then a lot of confusing things began to happen. I ended up, you know, I, I would see this man and he, he kind of, um, I would have that place of where I was really aware this was not Jesus and that he was evil. Something was wrong. And then the next day I would have these confusing feelings because he'd be the guy, like my mom had like a really old trashy car. I was embarrassed to drive in it, but he had a Camaro and he had all these, and he would say, drive Sonny in the nice car. 
So I'd be like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm wrong about him, right? Like maybe, maybe this is is like a a really cool guy. I was the girl who got Mm -hmm. the free lunch. He's like, Sunny should not have free lunch, but take this money, buy her some awesome, like lunchables and all the cool things that the cool kids have. So I had this confusion with who he was. Um, now my mom was gone a lot, a, a lot with this, you know, now I've learned it's like brainwashing and all this junk that's happening, but, um, fast forward and, um, in the middle of the night, um, I am taken, um, to, to catch up with them on the road. Somebody in the cult brings me into, uh, Denver, Colorado, um, embassy suites hotel. I still remember all of it. Mm-hmm. And, I am brought into this, you know, place. I haven't seen my mom and and any of these other adults in a very long time. So I I get brought into the Embassy Suites Hotel. I'm in the lobby. I'm waiting. And I am left in that lobby for probably 12 hours. Like, you imagine a child. Like, and now I'm I'm almost 14, right? 12 hours, just hanging out in this lobby. Like, do you remember the color of the room? Oh, my gosh. It was this huge. I've never been in such a nice place in my life. This huge, extravagant beauty. So there was this part of me, even then, something's wrong, but it sure feels right. You know, it sounds like Mm. that song. It's like, you know, because (laughs) it's so beautiful and amazing. And why does, why am I being left? And the greater question is, why do no adults notice? Um, a teenage girl sitting on the couch and asking questions about that. Like no questions, like shows up in the middle of the night and nothing, nobody checks on me, nothing. Well, earlier. So finally, after 12 hours, I'm called up into this hotel room and there is a ton of adults in this room. Um, Like, I don't know, there's probably 15 or 20 people in a hotel room. And this gentleman is on the bed and he is like preaching, right? Like he's, he's, you know, they're digging in their Bibles and he is preaching from the word of God. And that's kind of what is happening. Mm. And I'm just invited to sit down. And so I'm, I'm like entering this room. I'm excited because I've been called up, right? Like up into this room, but I'm also very, um, I'm also very afraid because something feels off. And Mm. all of a sudden he went from preaching to very angry. And when he got very angry, he said, there's sin in this room. Somebody in this room is sinful. What is it? He's stomping and he's smashing things. And the adults in the room are putting their heads down in terror. And he punches someone in the eye. Nobody, no, these are, these are 15 to 20 adult people. Nobody bats an eye. Nobody defends. No one says anything. And as a 14-year-old child, I'm entering this environment looking over to my side saying, oh, uh, this is okay. Don't say anything. Don't look at him. I'm terrified. He keeps saying, who is it? Somebody is in sin in this room. And you will, you know, he's just on and on and on. Well, it doesn't take long for me to start believing that because I'm the one who just entered the room, that it must be me. Hmm. And that is a place where I began to pick up in my identity that it was my job to protect and defend everyone else and that things were probably my fault. So I Mm. stood up and I admitted to this man, I said, I think it's me and I'd love to talk to you about it. He pulled me off out onto the balcony. And what I did at that time is I told him I had been experiencing temptation of wanting to have sex with my boyfriend. That opened a door. And it was a door I did not want opened. So he thanked me for confessing my sin, went back into the room and said, we're all good now, right? So now these moments happened all the time, Tori, where 
nobody said anything. There was abuse. I, I would see grown adult men being abused or women being abused. Mm. Nobody said anything. Wow. Well, it's heartbreaking. It is. And there was such a, an air of fear, but when you're using God's word, to control people's minds. Now, remember these people had, they often did not eat. They often did not sleep. And when you do not Mm. sleep and you do not eat, your mind is like silly putty. This is my like little plug for yourself. Fuel your dang body and rest yourself. Please sleep. Please eat. (laughs) Because your mind is like silly putty in the hands of the enemy when you do not care for your physical needs. Come and on, so in that, and, and you talk about like, what, it's so crazy to me. I become a health coach in this, right? It's like right. that stuff right there begins to show me God creates the body, soul, mind, and spirit all to work together. And too often right. as Christians, we're like putting the body aside. Like it does mm-hmm. not matter. We're making jokes on Sundays about how we're the donut eating folks. And we're like literally living in gluttony and acting like it's okay. It's not okay, folks. God created body, soul, mind, and spirit. Anyways, that's another story for another day. Yes. So good. Um, But, you know, none of these adults are saying anything. They're living in a culture of fear and God's word is the very fabric that they are using to believe that this is true. Strange, awful place to be in. Only the crazy thing is we go like, how do people fall for, fall for cults? And I go, how do people fall for religion? Yeah. Yeah experiencing the extreme have you seen that show up now in your authentic walk with god and your you have a hyper sense of it really to be able to recognize it without from a distance of that is not faith it's not grace it's not love that's religion knowing the difference between the two is so incredibly important oh my gosh i think i have like a sixth sense and it's called yeah. the sniffing out of religion And, um, I am telling you, I think that, uh, religion is always in bed with behavior modification. I just, I just Mm -hmm. do. And, um, it, it seeks to control and, um, humans like rules. And sometimes we, we act like we don't, but we like, we like knowing that there's a checkbox or all of these right things to do to ensure that we're right with God. And if I can prove I'm okay on this side and I check all the boxes and you don't, then you know what? We're actually flirting with religion in those moments. And man, and that's really about, I think it's less about judgment and more about self-protection. You know, we think religion is judging, judging, judging. It's more about saying I'm good, right? Like I'm good because I'm following the rules. I'm doing what I should. Um, I'm, I'm wearing this. I'm not wearing that. I'm a woman. So I'm being quiet in church. I'm doing all of the things, right? Right. I'm performing well. Exactly. And I'm earning my spiritual report card. God sees me and he delights in me as long as I behave correctly. Yes. Which is largely what you were given from this cult leader. Yes. And what does religion do? Religion causes you to look all over your, your story, your day and go, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong today? What did I do wrong today? Ugh. There's something I'm doing something wrong. Today. I totally fall into that Me all the too, time. Right. Yeah. It's- and I have to crawl out of that back into the arms of the grace of God. Lord, you delight me because it's just because that's who I am because yes. I'm your child. And what I, I can stop striving that right there, that word delight. I actually think that word right there is the gift of my story. It's actually a gift that I can snuff religion out because you know what I can do when I can sniff religion out, I can actually help make God urgently present. 
I can show them what relationship looks like. I want them to know the Jesus that I know, the Jesus that came in and reached into the, the most broken parts of my story and said, I know these parts hurt child, but this is the very place that you will come to know me by name. Yeah. Engage with me, my daughter. And so I, I, I go, I think of Psalm 18 that says he rescued me because he delights in me. Not because yes. he had to, not because of it, just because he, he, the sheer delight. And man, I think Amen. that that is, if we can realize that God delights in us, if I can believe that for me, and when I, when I really believe it for me, then Tori, I can believe it for you and for yeah. everyone else. And then we actually start breaking the chains of religion you know? Come on. Um, so that, yes. that word delight is such a, a, such a powerful word and it has been in my story. Um, and, and I'll tell you about uh, what I want, you know, because I, uh, because I want God glorified in this, like a cult is like this big extreme story, right? Like it's mm -hmm. an uncommon one, but what is common is the enemy coming in to hijack our identity. That is yeah. common. Your story is different than mine. I don't care whether you've had a great upbringing or whether you've had, you know, my uncommon story. What we have is these commonalities is the enemy attempting to fragment our identity and to keep us from the actual created order of who we've been meant to be. That's common. Yeah. This is where this is our common ground that we can stand on. Mm -hmm. But I have a God that has redeemed me and set me free through my story. Remember I told you through my story, he set me free. Now yeah. through my story, because my freedom is never just about me. My freedom is so that other people might be freed through my story. If I hide Amen. my story, then I'm actually, and, and I'm, it's a healed whole story, then I'm holding back the story of, of really, I think the glory of God that I behold, right? The brilliance of the Lord shines on me and mm -hmm. it shines through me. But if I hide mm -hmm. the story instead of owning it and, and sharing it, man, I, I'm missing out. So in the interest of beholding the glory of God, I want to tell you, I think the most beautiful part of my story. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. We will share the second half of Sunny's story next week on the podcast. In the meantime, check us out on Instagram at for eternity and until and have an amazing week. Love you all.